The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those station board managers. of Analyze This here on your NPR stadio <laughs> station in the Virgin Islands, WTJX FM, with yours truly, uh, Neville James. Uh, kind of partly cloudy day uh, here in paradise. Of course, you know, we're monitoring uh, a storm that is off to our east. And right now, a little to our south. Um, keeping an eye on that. Um, Tropical storm slash hurricane Tammy. So keep an eye on that. We're going to talk with the weather service at some point uh, this morning. But uh, today we're going to talk with um, Ms. Liz Goggins. Uh, today, today is uh, today, right? It's World Polio Day. Uh, Tuesday coming. Tuesday coming. Uh, that's what, October 24th? Yes. October 24th is uh, World Polio Day. Uh, and then uh, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some preparations. Uh, for uh, the weekend, specifically late tomorrow night on Sunday, um, and of course, uh, keeping up because because we're keeping an eye on the weather. Uh, the relay for life tomorrow, uh, so keep an eye on that uh, as well. Also today, um, definitely want to send out condolences again, um, former senator. Um, Lisa Chucky Hansen, uh, her uh, funeral services are being held today in Christianstead. I believe it's at the Moravian Church uh, down here in the Bassin Triangle area. So uh, definitely want to send out condolences to her family, uh, her friends, and all of her. Uh, looking at the, the raw numbers, uh, serving 22 years in total, over a 32-year period. Beginning in uh, January of 1987 uh, through uh, January of 2019. Okay, so that's what we got. But what we're going to do is we're going to introduce uh, Miss Liz Goggins, uh, the World Polio Day. Uh, she is uh, from the Rotary, Mid Island Rotary, or? Harborside. Harbor. Harborside. Harborside uh, Rotary. Uh, good morning, uh, Ms. Coggins. Welcome to Analyze This. Glad to have you here. Good morning. Thank yes. you for having us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, for those who may not know who Ms. Liz Goggins is. Okay, well, uh, I am a 42-year resident of the Virgin. 
very oh. happy I never left. Originally from where? Originally from Jersey City. Oh, yeah? So, um, and I've been on St. Croix for 30 years. I was on St. Thomas. And I have been a Rotarian since 2001. Okay. Okay. I just found out. just got a text message. Really? For life was postponed until next week. Okay. Okay. So, for those who... Uh, we're looking forward to that tomorrow. I guess it's the 28th into the 29th now. Not the 21st into the 22nd. Thank you very much. Mr. Wallace Williams. So, originally St. Thomas. Yes. Uh, what did you do for a living? Uh, I started working at All Saints, and then I went to work for Chase Manhattan Bank. Okay. And then I went to work for ATN, and it was ATN that moved me over here, which became Innovative, which mm -hmm. is now Via. So I, I worked there for 21 years. Oh, okay, okay. You taught at All Saints, or you were I support did. staff? No, no. You taught? I taught. Uh, okay. yeah. That was when? What years? 83. <laughs> now you're aging me. No, I, moved, I moved to St. Thomas November 4th, 1981. Yes, I'm saying because one of my, one of my best friends graduated from uh, St. Thomas in 1985, Kenny Benjamin. So yeah. no, uh, I, you, you were still, you were there at that time. Cause he graduated in '85. Yeah. I taught. Yeah. I taught fourth grade. Yeah, so. no, he was in. Uh, he was in high school then. Yeah. Yeah. Then we met uh, at University of Miami in the fall of '85, and we've been good friends ever since. So <laughs> uh, I was just trying to, you know, connect, just to see, yeah. connect, connect the dots and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, so you've been here. You, you live on St. Thomas uh, for twelve. Mm -hmm. St. Croix for thirty. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest difference for somebody who moved here from the mainland? Uh, from the mainland, uh, just about everything was different. Yeah. Um, you know, less traffic, um, warm weather, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah. You know, I went to school upstate New York. So. Yeah, where? <laughs> I went to Marist College. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Marist is one of the the the, the most re reputable polling schools. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, Lee Miringoff. I took the first class Lee Miringoff taught oh, really? at Marist. Yeah, yeah, And so yeah. I did all four years with him. I love that man. Yeah, uh, see, you were lucky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah Marist, Quinnipiac, and, and Mammoth. Uh, mm -hmm. Those schools, uh, those are the ones from when we're looking at polls and all yeah, that stuff. The Marist Institute. Marist Institute, correct, correct, correct. Where's Marist, by the way? In Poughkeepsie. Oh, oh, that's on the way right up to 87. You can't miss uh, it. You take the north way, you go right up. Uh, if you leave the city, you go over to what was the Tappanzee, right? Which is now, I think, the Cuomo Bridge, right? It's something I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's a brand new bridge, yeah, too. Yeah. They, no, they, 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 we did it over. It's a beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely. It's like when you when you you're heading south, you're coming back from upstate, mm -hmm. and you're going into New York, and you see it. Yes. Just, it, it takes you over to Hudson. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's really a beautiful. But see, I always, I always went up from the from the Jersey side, so I went up I, one and nine, or the throughway. Yeah, yeah, or the, seven, the seventeen. Yeah, I take well, this. I take this. Th yeah. I didn't know the number. I just knew it was the throughway, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, the across the Mid-Hudson Bridge. And that takes you up into uh, the two, the two eighty-seven, then the one, then eighty-seven, <laughs> the North Way, which takes you up the way. That's my stopping ground. I go to Saratoga. Okay. Every chance I get, so. Oh, Poughkeepsie. Yes. Right. Hotel. <laughs> uh, there's another school up there, Vassar. Vassar, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. were on the other side. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. And then, 
So I did the first uh, survey with Lee. Oh, really? Uh, and it was for the sheriff for Dutchess County. Oh, yeah, okay, and okay. And he, he, we had the results that showed the Democratic candidate had won mm -hmm. in this Republican stronghold. Yeah, yeah. And so he wasn't going to announce it. He was, yeah, you know, he was going to wait for the official count. And the candidate announced that according to the Marist poll, she had won. And he freaked. Wow. Freaked. But she had won. The Democratic candidate? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's not... Uh, let me see, Dutchess County. Um, I know when you leave New York, of course, Westchester County, mm -hmm. right? And then Rockland? Rockland, I think, is, I want to say this, but don't quote me. I believe it's east of Dutchess County. It's east of Dutchess County, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's also Orange County up there and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Orange County is right over the, the northern New Jersey border. Okay, okay, That's there we go. Uh, Tuxedo we go. and Suffering yeah, and yeah, yeah, somebody else was on our show the other day, uh, and we spoke about Poughkeepsie, and I told them that uh, I had a friend of mine, uh, he passed away at a very young age, uh, his name was Harold Thompson, he was a commissioner. Harry! Yeah, man. I remember yeah. Harry, oh man, we what a school. good man. Yeah, we went to school at St. Dustin's together, he graduated a couple of years before me. He went to Rensselaer, RPI. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's an engineer, you know what I'm saying? You know... As you say that, I vaguely remember Harry and I talking about New York. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a very, very good person, and that was painful uh, to losing yeah. him uh, at a young age. I didn't know you know Harry. That's yeah, uh, mm -hmm. that's that's awesome. Yeah. So that's how uh, Miss Liz Gaggins, a little background <laughs> for someone who is a transplanted. Mm -hmm. She's a Kusha now. She's a Virgin Islander, right? And I'm uh, glad to have you. I lean more towards the cruise. I love that. We, you know, we actually have a, a location where we, we see each other. Uh, um, that's because of the rotary, right? The rotary meets there? Your rotary meets um, there? Or? Well, the the board meeting. The board. Meeting. The board, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah over there at uh, 2 plus 2. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, World Polio Day, and I'm glad um, you're here this morning uh, because, first of all, you know, uh, this particular show was born during the pandemic. We came to being on April 27, 2020. At that time, you know, Sinclair was pretty much Zombieville, as mm -hmm. I like to call it, because you know, we're still trying to you know, deal with the impact of uh, uh, COVID-19 and all that. So I would have, from time to time, my good schoolmate and treasure, she would call in, and you know, she's also a historian in addition to being a doctor. And she informed the audience and myself that uh, <clears throat> the vaccine and, and how um, we go through the vaccine trials and all that stuff came about from dealing with polio, mm -hmm. right? And the eradication of polio. Uh, so now, you know, I, I, do my, you know, I like to read, do my research. It was a 30-year thing. Right, started in fifty, ended in about eighty. Right, there was uh, that's. Uh, um, it's still going on. It's still going on, but I mean, but the the actual, the heightened the heightened awareness and mm -hmm. concern as about it. It took three decades. Right. Right. In in nineteen, I want to say nineteen eighty eighty eight maybe or nineteen eighty, there were still three hundred fifty thousand cases of polio a year. Globally or. Because okay. it had already been eradicated in the U.S. That's what I'm and, about. and yeah. most in North America. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. But around the world, mm -hmm. there was still, you know, it's incredible numbers. Yeah. 
a little history, if you will, um, first detected around when or thereabouts? In the, in the uh, I have a, a little bit of a history here for mm -hmm. murder. Um, in 1984 uh, was the first documented outbreak in the, in the United States. And, there, and it was in Vermont, and there were 18 deaths and uh, 132 cases of permanent paralysis. So that was 1894. 1894, yeah, you said 1894. You got oh, sorry, 1894. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 1894, up in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's, that's way back. Yes. Okay, Polio, Vermont, 1894. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the first case in the U.S., so it was probably in other places around the world. Okay, Otto Creek Valley. Mm-hmm. It's the reading from the New England um, and you said um, paralyzed 18? 18 deaths, 18 100, deaths. 132 cases 100 of paralysis. paralysis. Wow. wow. So, um, as a result of that... Um, well, they, and at that point, they didn't realize it was a virus. Yeah. It wasn't until... Let me see. Mm -hmm. I have these here. It was... Um, and this was mostly children, right? That, that, yes, that would mostly be children. Yeah. Um, it was a virus. And in 1916, there was a polio outbreak in New York City 2000, uh, that killed 2,000 people. Wow. And around 6,000 people across the U.S. And thousands were paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So, um, what uh, Dr. Treasure said is um, they would have people out on boats when they were dealing with the, uh, trying to manage the, the impact of the vaccine and all that stuff. Talk a little bit about um, that from a historical perspective, because we're talking what late 1800s, taking us to... Early, all the way up until the, the, the 50s. 80s. Yeah, until the, the 50s. 50s, yeah. yeah. Um, and I know I've heard uh, people talk about when they were young uh, and it it seemed to be more prevalent in the summer so kids and children weren't allowed to go into lakes to go swimming anymore mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to go outside uh you know people were isolating their children uh you know which which we unfortunately you know we did during the pandemic but it was very prevalent then trying to protect children uh because at that point, you know, there is no cure for polio, mm -hmm. but the vaccine will protect you against it, so you don't get it at all. Okay, okay. Charles Cavalli, now that name uh, comes up, right? Mm -hmm. um, with respect to, uh, he, he attended University of Vermont School of Medicine, then studied for 18 months at the College of Physicians and Surgeons in New York, right? Cavalier began practice in Rutland in 1883 in association with Dr. Middleton Goldsmith, whose choir cultivated uh, with a singleness of purpose, which was striking, a lack of pretense, which was always charming, and ability, which was perfectly evident. Right? But Mr. Cavalier was more than a country doctor. He had a passion for public health, and by 1887, he served as the president of the Vermont State Board of Health. Public health in general. Right, this is something that we uh, tend to ignore because we mm -hmm. live in a in an area in a time of specialization. Right, one of the attributes that I think served the Department of Health well 
during the pandemic um, was while we were focused on COVID-19, their focus was public health in general mm-hmm. with a specific, with, with a specialization, a, a, a special um, uh, intent um, to keep the numbers down uh, and all that. Um, from a lay people pers- perspective, um, are we paying enough attention to public health in general here, or are we so uh, programmed to only want to focus uh, on isolated issues um, during a matter crisis? That's a, a hard question to answer for somebody, like you said, a lay person. I think uh, part of our problem here is, in general, there's just a, sh- a shortage of, of health care providers, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's an overall problem. I think the people that we do have do, do a yeoman's job. I mean, they are out there every day. Uh, so, you know, it's, we need to give as much support to them as the help they're giving to us. You mm-hmm. know, it goes both ways. Yeah, well, you know, the reason why I, I, I deemed you a, a layperson <laughs> uh, is because... I don't think we give enough uh, respect, right, to to non-professionals well, mm-hmm. as as it relates to an opinion. It, 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 it's because that's all it is. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and and we get hung up with titles so much. You know what I'm saying? And and I think it's important that you know me and you, you know, taxpayers and and lay people that we are. You know, our, our, our take has value. It may, you know, it may not be a, uh, as data informed because we don't have access to numbers. But you know, public health. Uh, I'm, uh, if there's one good thing that came out of the pandemic, is that there's, in my opinion, uh, uh, a resensitivity to public health in general. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a good thing. We talked to Ms. Liz Goggins, uh, World Polio Day, uh, two, four days away on uh, October 24th. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk some more about the significance of World Polio Day and uh, if there's any, uh, anything planned or uh, what we could do from a consciousness standpoint. We'll be back right after this. Tell me, we are not afraid to stand up to the high and mighty like Jeff Bezos. He had that big cowboy hat on. (laughs) He looked like like a shrink ray had hit Garth Brooks. (laughs) I'm Peter Sagal. Join me as we speak truth to power, at least until power agrees to buy us out on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Saturdays at 1 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. The PBS NewsHour has a rich legacy of in-depth reporting and strong storytelling. Only four people have sat in that chair before us, and the enormity of this moment is not lost on me. People turn to us because they know they can hear from trusted sources of information and news. That won't change a bit, even as the faces behind the desk change. 
Good evening. I'm Jeff Bennett. And I'm Amna Nawaz. Weekdays at 7 p.m. on WTJX TV, Channel 12. Doom scrolling. Let's break that habit, folks. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, where if you want to know what's going on in the world and why it matters, all you have to do is give your thumb a rest and perk up your ears. We've got the news, but we've also got curiosity, joy, and surprise. Tune in for Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Opportunities at Bank of St. Croix. Bank of St. Croix offers CDs for education, homes, or vacations. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallus Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. A penalty might be imposed for early withdrawal, new money only. Funds may not be transferred from existing Bank of St. Croix accounts to CDs. Rates subject to change at any time. Fees may reduce earnings and principal. www.bankofstcroix.com Member FDIC. And we're back here and analyze this. And uh, we got uh, Miss Liz Gawkins uh, joining us. And you are with the Virgin Islands Polo, uh, um, Polio, or or just a representative. Well, um, polio eradication is Rotary's primary Rotary. external, okay, external okay. focus. So okay. it's it's Rotarians all over the world mm-hmm. are involved in okay, World okay, Polio good. Day. So it's a, it's a Rotary, Rotary thing. A, yes. a Rotary thing. Okay, good. You know, I mentioned um, Mr. Cavalli's, uh, Dr. Cavalli, and uh, the reason why uh, was because that Otter Creek Valley area up in up in Vermont where it was first detected, right? And they said uh, that area, uh, Otter Creek Valley, uh, 15 miles wide and 30 miles long, right? And um, so they, they went through some cases. Cavalry, he said, described some of the cases he'd seen. Case one was a three-year-old American boy, healthy, active, and strong. He grew feverish and cranky and had stomachache. After three days, he lost the use of his legs. At the end of 10 days, he began to walk by holding onto chairs then in three weeks, he, he could walk again. The second case was similar. A sturdy, three-and-a-half-year-old Irish boy had a high fever and incontinence. On the third day, his legs were paralyzed. One leg improved, the other not so much, and after 10 weeks, he could walk but had spinal curvature. Case 93, a two-year-old American boy got stomachache, fever, and rash. After a few days, his legs were paralyzed, he didn't improve much after two months, Cavalier reported. Case four was a six-year-old boy taken with convulsions while playing in the street. They lasted nine hours along with a fever, vomiting, and excessive sensitivity of his extremities. The boy died after six days. Polio died out in September, but not after 132 people, mostly children, had come down with it, and 18 died, right? So apparently what he did was... Uh, <clears throat> He took careful note of the strange disease. He saw a 70-year-old man with polio. He also saw it in horses, dogs, and chickens. Decided the mysterious disease had to be one of two things. Cerebrospinal meningitis or polio myelitis. myelitis. He sent the brain and spinal cord of a chicken to doctors in New York. One said it was 
spinal meningitis, but two others said it was polio. Polio it was. And uh, from there, uh, England was dealing, uh, England had some uh, uh, issues that they were dealing with as well. Um, and they said, interestingly, right, the overwhelming majority of people who get it, 98% don't show symptoms. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. However, mm -hmm. the people that don't show symptoms can later in life develop post-polio syndrome. Okay. Uh, we, which, hear, we, we hear the same thing. The term they use now is long COVID. Right. Uh, with, with, exactly. COVID, right? Yeah. Right. yeah, sorry, yeah. So that's... Sorry um, for interrupting you there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bronco. Bronco has post-polio Yes, syndrome. correct. Yeah, Olaf Hendricks. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So... Um, Great Virgin Island, by the way. Good yes. morning, Bronco. Good morning. I definitely got to mention you. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, you know, in in many cases, that's worse than the initial mm -hmm. um, polio virus attack. Yeah, because... And, and especially if you didn't have symptoms when you were younger mm -hmm. to all of a sudden have post-polio syndrome. Yeah, you know? so that means that those it's, early... The, 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 the early mm -hmm. um, uh, detect or affliction, right? For all those years, you don't know what's been going on in your body. Mm -hmm. You follow what I'm saying? And then you right. get to long-term. They say, ironically, polio emerged at a time when advances in public health had gotten disease such as typhoid, tuberculosis, and diphtheria under control. They said many scientists believe impro improvements in clean cleanliness and hygiene has succeeded too. Right? So, too well. In dirtier times, they thought infants developed mild infections but fought them off with the help of maternal antibodies. So, science, the, the beauty of science as relates to the human being uh, is that it's ever-evolving. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And uh, things happen, and unfortunately, more bad things happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we just experienced that uh, uh, with COVID. What is it about uh, the, the rotary and its attention to detail where polio is concerned um, that helps the general population? as relates to public health in general, not but, just polio. You know, one of the things um, that came out of it, because uh, Rotary, Rotary was the, the founding member, member of the GPEI, which is Global Polio Eradication Initiative, okay. which is World Health Organization, CDC, the Global Alliance for Vaccines, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, so we kind of pulled those those groups together. Um, but the the impetus for Rotary, the first time Rotarians reached out to, to give vaccines was in the 70s in the Philippines. And, you know, as, as Rotary grew around the world and we could see how many children were affected, that's what really got Rotary's mm -hmm. heart was the children, you know. <coughs> and so we made a commitment that we're going to, going to eradicate polio the 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 embracing of the vaccine as it relates to polio mm -hmm. um i don't want to compare it with respect to covid for, for two reasons uh number one um we didn't have internet <laughs> right. back in, uh, back back then and mm -hmm. two we had a greater uh we had less skepticism and a greater uh, uh embracing of public health Officials exactly. back then, right? Well, I think part of it, and this is, a, you know, like you mentioned, this is lay people discussion. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I grew up, and I know you're younger than me, so I don't know how much 
this affected you, but I grew up in a time where I had measles, I had chickenpox, mm-hmm. I had mumps. mumps yeah. I had all of them. Fortunately, you know, in my family, we all got through it. But children died of those things. Yeah, man. You yeah, know, man. and because the polio vaccine was one of the the first that that came around for childhood diseases, the the mumps, measles came much mm. later. So uh, you know. People in my generation, we grew up with those things. So when those vaccines became available, it was like, yes, you know, mm-hmm. I need to protect my children. And not, not only that, when, when governments, uh, Department of Health <clears throat> for governments um, were showing up at schools um, to get the shot, it wasn't about, uh, do I have the ability to say that I'm not getting the shot? That wasn't exactly. the case we, back then. To- <laughs> Everybody got the shot. And I remember going, um, I was maybe five years old, and, you know, growing up in Jersey City, big old Catholic school, you know, mm-hmm. huge building. and St. Peter's College. St. Peter's, yeah, <laughs> down the road, down, down the, the road. boulevard, right? <laughs> uh, but we, I grew up in Greenville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember every family in the parish, whether you were actually a member of the parish or not, we were all lined up going into different classrooms. Mm-hmm. At that point, we were getting sugar cubes. Okay. And another time, we did it where we got an injection. Injection, you okay. Had, you mm-hmm. know, so it was it was everybody. Mm-hmm. But no. again, you know, I grew up in the time where so many diseases were prevalent. To be able to wipe those out or control them with vaccines was the greatest thing that happened. Yes, yes. But yes. now people people don't see those things anymore. No, no and because because we we uh, we recognize um, that we have civil liberties, number right. one, and of course access to information on the internet, and some are 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 more gullible and 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 believable than others, and uh, it's just uh, how it is. Now, we mentioned the late eighteen hundreds issue in Vermont, but then there was another. Uh, severe epidemic uh, in 1910, and it hit Massachusetts hard. Killed 2,500, right? Uh, And there was another outbreak in Vermont in 1914, right? The mortality rate Mm -hmm. near 25%, and 226 victims were left with varying degrees of paralysis. The State Board of of Health realized it had to do something, and uh, Charles Cavalli persuaded an anonymous benefactor to make a generous donation for the pre- prevention and care of polio. The, the state decided to hold free public clinics mm-hmm. in the infected areas where victims could go for treatment and care. Robert Lovett, a doctor engaged in that effort, described how patients were given braces and crutches. Therapists helped train their muscles, exercised their withered limbs, and gave them massages. Family members were taught how to massage and exercise polio victims. So this was a complete community effort. Yes, definitely. Wow. And, you know, um, one, one of the reasons people died is polio affects your muscles. Yeah. You know? um, they couldn't breathe, you know, mm-hmm. and their ability to breathe mm-hmm. was impaired. Mm-hmm. What was it? In 1929, the iron lung was invented, which there are still two people in the world living in iron lungs. Oh, really? Um, wow. So I have, I don't know if you've seen pictures of them, but I have a mm. picture here. Well, in 1916, before that, 
there was a polio uh, wave in New York, uh, in Brooklyn, yeah, right, and twenty four hundred people died in New York. Eighty percent of them were children under five years old. Mm-hmm. That's a significant number, Miss Goggins. Yes, indeed. Wow. Indeed. Eighty percent of twenty four hundred. That's four eighty. That's nineteen hundred and twenty people. Wow. Mm-mm. As a terrifying disease traveled beyond the Northeast, beyond New York, cities and towns in the Northeast began to bar outsiders, right? So this is now the, the, the impact of, uh, exactly. of a sickness and how people and how communities um, were processing it, processing it. Armed policemen patrolled train stations and roads to make sure no, sta- no strangers crossed the, bo- crossed the borders. Parents told their children not to play with anyone they didn't know share the ice cream cone, or go swimming in New York. People blame dogs and cats for spreading polio. They killed 72,000 cats and 8,000 dogs. Wow. Wow. That's all we could say. Wow. Then uh, they spoke a little bit more about Mr. Cavalier did by continuing to monitor the polio outbreaks. He wrote reports loaded with data about polio outbreaks in his state. They included the distribution and timing of cases, age of victims, type of house they lived in, the soil around the house, quality of sewer facilities, water supply, family history, the number of cases in railroad towns. This is this is detailed stuff right. that but that's what you that's what public you have health. to do. That's yeah, that's public health. That, that's yeah. public exactly. He said but then in nineteen eighteen polio took a backseat to another disease, influenza. Mm-hmm. Among the many thousands killed by the flu pandemic was Charles Cavalier. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Lovett credited Cavalier with first seeing the need to understand polio. FDR. Mm-hmm. Right? Polio. When, when we yeah. talk about a president, one of the great presidents mm-hmm. in American history, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he had polio. He actually right. um, presided, you know, with the benefit of a wheelchair. Right? Exactly. And, but they never showed that on no. camera. No, 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 no. I heard that part. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, have he, you have you been to his home in Hyde Park? No, no. Next I, time you're I, up yeah, there, yeah, I gotta do it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I gotta it's do it. because the wheelchair is yeah. there. Oh, okay, know? okay. That's uh-huh. out in Long Island, right? No, up in Hyde Park, Hyde Park right, uh, right, uh, right north of Poughkeepsie. Okay. Oh, oh, that's oh, is that part? Oh, up yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, it's right north. Oh. Just stay on one. Okay, and no, nine. no, I was mixing up Flora Park. Yeah, yeah, Flora Park. Yeah, yeah. You said Hyde Park. Yeah, Hyde Park. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, he, he, uh. Uh, there was a story that I read when he died, and uh, there was this man. Uh, apparently, they had a they had a procession, uh, a parade, uh, like a memorial parade for him. And this guy was crying, and uh, somebody asked him, um, "You know, why are you crying so much? Uh, did you know him?" And he said, "No, no, but he knew me." You know, that's that's that speaks to the greatness of the man. You right. know what I'm saying? And he, of course. You know, he uh, presided over a time uh, when we were dealing with World War II. Right. Brought uh, us out of the Depression. It uh, came, came right after the Depression, right. right, the 30s, because the Depression was 1929. Mm-hmm. And he served for 12 years. You know, he served, I think he's the longest serving yes. president, right, from 33 to 45 when mm-hmm. Harry Truman uh, took over. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, wow. Wow. So, um, we, the, the, the rotary, uh, mm-hmm. right, um, with the global polio eradication eradication initiative, initiative. um we're fast forwarding now it started in the philippines started in the philippines in um 
the late 1970s, mm-hmm. and there is a wonderful documentary. It's called, and it was done by uh, Rotary District in California. It's called Dare to Dream, How Rotary Became the Heart and Soul of Polio Eradication. Okay. Mm-hmm. It will make you cry a couple of times, you know, a little laughter. And uh, I know for us, it makes us so proud to be Rotarians because when Rotary was formalizing our involvement, the World Health Organization didn't believe Rotary. They're like, oh, yeah, you'll work on it for a year and you'll be gone. Wow. And Rotary is like, no, we're, we're in this no. for the long haul. Yeah, they're, they're. And they said to, to Rotary, if you are committed to this, you need to raise $100 million in a year's time. And Rotary raised $120 million what? in a year's time. When was this? This was in the 80s. Okay. Since since that time, Rotary has been responsible for raising over $2 billion for polio eradication. With this Gloria, the, the, the Global Polio Eradication Initiative. Well, that that funding? Yeah. Rotary's, Rotary clubs, Rotarians have either raised it personally or been responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we have kind of pushed governments into donating, you know, so directly responsible mm-hmm. uh, in one way or the other for no, that I le- money. I, no, I learned today about Cavalier and I love it, but Jonas Sack is the name that yes, we know. the first uh, vaccine. The, the first vaccine, yes. That took place when? Uh, the vaccine was, his vaccine was in the 80s. The 80s, right? Right. And he challenged Rotary. In 1985, he challenged Rotary to eradicate polio by our 100th anniversary, which was 2005. Mm-hmm. And we were four countries away. And then in an African country, there were some religious leaders who said, um, and I wouldn't necessarily call them religious leaders, just some leaders who mm-hmm. said, uh, this is not to prevent a disease. This is to make you infertile. This is to, to do this. It's all negative. So don't take the vaccine. And there was. So there was a, a similar push, anti, anti-vaccine anti push then. Like in there Africa, was, yeah. In Africa, like there yeah. was uh, right. now. Uh, right. uh, with, with the, with the COVID-19. So. Through, what we're going to do is I'm going to stop you right yeah. there. We'll take a break. Because now the, the conversation is getting real good. Because, you know, we do the history thing here with this history major that I am. Okay. Um, uh, and the audience, I think they appreciate this, the background stuff. So right. we're learning. So we'll take a break. We got Miss Liz Goggins talking about the history and the eradication of polio. Be back right after this. Mm-hmm. Taste of Two Islands is back. Join us at Antilles Mark C. Marin Center on December 14th for the long-awaited return of the taste, a culinary feast for the season. Hosted by me, George Kulchaman Silkat. Early bird tickets are on sale now through Tuesday, November 14th. Tickets are available at Chelsea's Drugstore in Red Hook, Barefoot Buddha across from Haven Sight Mall, and Bonita's Cantina in Niski Shopping Center. 
tickets can also be purchased online at wtjx.org forward slash taste or call 340-774-6255 and 340-690-7293. Don't miss this opportunity to experience the magic of local cuisine as you dance to the rhythms of Spectrum Band. Sponsors for this event are the I Lottery, Antilly School, West Indies Company, Cardo Wine and Spirits, First Bank, Bellows International, the VI Office of Highway Safety, and the VI Housing Finance Authority. It's the return of the taste, Thursday, December 14th at 6 p.m. A taste you can never forget. The Caribbean Green Technology Center and the VI Energy Office, in partnership with the Worldwide Universities Network, are hosting the second annual VI Energy Fair. There will be live demonstrations, interactive exhibits on energy and sustainability, and community leaders on site to discuss the territory's efforts to reduce energy costs. The fair takes place at the UVI Sports and Fitness Center on St. Thomas on October 28th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. For more information, visit cgtc-usvi.org. Music can be an incredibly personal experience. A song can inspire you, it can comfort you, it can make you feel understood, but it can even take you back to a specific moment in your life. And it all begins with the artist. Join me, Raina Duras, as I get personal through in-depth interviews with your favorite musicians and find out where those songs come from on World Cafe. Weekdays at 10 p.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. And we're back here on Analysis during the break. I was having a nice conversation. Ms. Goggins talking about some leaders from back in the day up in New York. Of course, everybody on the station knows this. I was born in New York, you know what I'm saying? A part of that uh, migration of Virgin Islanders who were born uh, in New York. Uh, so she mentioned names like Daniel Patrick Moynihan and I, then I, Mario Cuomo. Uh, mm-hmm. Great New Yorkers. Uh, uh, so I told her just now about Alphonse D'Amato, you know, because he, he was a Republican. He is yeah. out, out, from, from Mineola. Uh, New York has had some great senators over the yes. years. Robert mm-hmm. F. Kennedy, uh, he actually was a senator in New York. You didn't have to be in New York long to get residency to run <laughs> off Hillary Clinton. I did the right. same thing. Exactly. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So uh, yeah, I always, <clears throat> you know, because, you know, born in New York, I always tend to pay attention. And little did I know that a current U.S. senator, her uncle is Andy Rutnick from St. John. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Kristen Gillibrand. Uh, really? Yeah, that's Andrew's because I was at Saratoga in August and a young man rolled up on me and I saw the hat uh, VI for life mm-hmm. and I said, where you from? He said, St. Thomas. I said, what's your name? Is? He told me his name. He said, Andy Rutnick is my uh, grandfather. I said, man, I live on St. Croix. He says, so he says, so he said, who are you? This <laughs> <laughs> is a high school kid. I said, Neville James. I know that name because of course, mm-hmm. I've been on the radio for a couple of years and mm-hmm. was a senator and we struck it up on uh, Jamar and, and then he called Andy and he came over and I said, man, it's a small world. So I said, Andy, when I get back home, I got to get you on the show. So he comes on and he let me know because uh, they do a family reunion mm-hmm. thing up in Albany okay. uh, every year and he let me know that his niece Kristen Gillibrand is a U.S. I said, what? But I wasn't surprised because, you know, Andy's a politician mm-hmm. and all that right. stuff, you know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, really, really small world. So we, we were talking about Jonah Sock. Yes. Right, when we were leaving and uh, when we left for break. And um, <clears throat> the, the impact that gets us to the 80s 
where um, oh, we we're talking about the, the, the Africa the, yeah. in Africa where they were telling the African. Uh, yeah. There were certain African countries and communities were saying, don't take the vaccine. Right. Right. So through through diplomatic outreach, um, that that stall was overcome. And so Africa went full force. So three years ago, the entire continent of Africa was declared polio free. Okay. But Jonas Salk had challenged us to eradicate polio by 2005, which was our 100th anniversary. Uh, and unfortunately, we didn't make it, but we haven't stopped because mm-hmm. it's 2023. Yeah. Right now, polio is only endemic <coughs> in Afghanistan and Pakistan, and it's that border region up in the mountains. And this year, there have only been seven cases of polio. Mm-hmm. So we're really focusing you know, on, on that area. But one thing you know, we need to consider, and, you know, they talked about uh, viruses only a plane ride away. If we were to stop the polio vaccine, public health officials say that within 10 years, we'd have over 200,000 cases of wow. polio. Wow. So we can't stop. One of the uh, things that uh, Ronnie Russell, my good friend, former scientist that I served with, uh, that he, uh, he always said, said, Neville, you know, everybody could have uh, all of the opinions that they want and, and and all that. But, you know, we went to school to get educated. And in the end, you got to trust the science. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And one of, the, one of the examples, he said, you know, never want somebody in a car accident and they go to the hospital, they ain't in the business of asking the doctor what kind of medicine they're using and all that stuff. They just want to get healthy, right. right? So they don't get into the defense mechanisms mm-hmm. that, that people are using now with the vaccine and all that stuff. And another thing, um, my good friend Dwayne Henry, we talk about this, because um, one of the legitimate right, concerns that folks have with the COVID-19 vaccine is they claim they rushed to put it together. And, and and Dwayne Henry and I speak about this. That is not true. No. This actually is an extension of the SARS pandemic that was in place from in 2002. And one thing, too, you have to consider. Mm-hmm. Just about every single lab in the world mm-hmm. was working on that vaccine. Yes. It wasn't, you the know. The SARS like, you're talking about. The SARS and then. To get to the COVID, And then yeah. the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and I don't care what you say about them, they are doing incredible things yeah, no, in the world. No, no. They built. Research and money. Right. Yeah. They built 13 brand new state-of-the-art labs. Okay. Just to help develop that mm-hmm. vaccine. Mm-hmm. And they've given so much to polio eradication. They match our donations to the one. Oh, that's so, awesome! Yes, yeah, 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 and yeah. you know, and yeah. it's not one of these things where you've got to raise the money mm-hmm. and then they'll give it to you. They give Rotary the money up front and say, "We trust you'll raise oh, and that's match all, this." That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And by the way, you know, again, I want the public to know, right? You're entitled to have whatever opinion yes. you want to have as it relates to vaccines, public health, what have you, right? But one of the things that I you know, try to do, you know, and analyze this, uh, is use facts and data to allow for me, and history to allow for me to get to the conclusions that I get to. You don't necessarily have to agree with me on all that stuff. And, you know, so I, I just want the public uh, to know that we're not trying to force anything down anybody's throat. But all we're saying is, you know, we're not just going off of gut feelings and hunches and all that stuff. 
data and information allows for you to make meaningful decisions and and that's exactly. something that i've tried to use and you know that, that actually that you know as a, as a politician right back in the day uh that may have been a downfall of mine simply because the public is more into uh you know what uh is politically expedient at that particular time which way the wind blowing let me play the game all that stuff and that's okay i got no problem with that i just happen to come from a research uh, and information um, background, you know, uh, in terms of getting to where I want to get, and, and it is what it is. Now, um, 2023, um, what's the message that we're trying to send to the world as it relates to polio come October 24th of okay. this month? Basically, that polio still exists, okay. you know, because like we talked about earlier, people aren't exposed to it anymore. Polio still exists, and... It could, if we stop the eradication efforts, it could come back and come back in a big way. So we want to make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we talk about the vaccine and, and donating, it's not just the vaccine. It's that network that delivers the vaccine. I know uh, two or three times in, in between Pakistan and Afghanistan, when the workers were going out and very often it's it's the women because they'll be the only ones that are allowed and go into a home they have been killed they have been you know there was one point about two three years ago where seven uh people were killed who were delivering the vaccine they didn't stop because they want to protect their children Mm -hmm. and you know that's something we can't comprehend i mean it if something like that happened, we'd be about like, I'm not going there, I'm not doing this. And to them, the children were so much more important. Um, <clears throat> I had the, the Waste Management Authority on Wednesday, and one of their employees, um, Alice Kroll, um, um, she established a relationship with Biobot, which is the entity that uh, tests for COVID mm-hmm. with water. Okay. Right? And apparently that the same thing, they, 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 they do something along the same line. Exactly. With, with polio, right? That's, talk, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Besides not the the distribution network, there is the environmental aspect, mm-hmm. the testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is wastewater. And was it last year, year before? Last year, I believe, the case in London and the case in New York. And it was the scientists who were doing the evaluations and the monitoring were able to find where their vex their where their virus came from. They knew exactly where that virus came from. Wow. Um so there's you know the, the science the science once again. The science, right? right. Yeah. And it's it's a massive uh network that uh is responsible for public eradication. It's not just a vaccine. And a few years ago with the uh Ebola outbreak in Nigeria mm-hmm. it was the polio network there that was able to contain that wow. because of the training they had and in the, containing and, and early detection. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that network, that network exists, um, and it's a strong network, and it is working around the world. So CDC is working with select jurisdictions to strategically expand wastewater testing for polio virus in jurisdictions mm-hmm. with potentially low polio vaccination coverage. Wastewater data can Mm -hmm. help us better understand what areas might be at the highest risk for polio spread 
and might need to increase local vaccination efforts. CDC will support participating jurisdictions in testing wastewater, responding to positive wastewater detections, and improving vaccination rates if requested. Yes. So, Alice Kroll wanted to know, you're seeing Biobot on Trevor Noah that night, right? And reaching out to them and you know, because apparently they wanted to have a presence in the region, in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. um, was legitimate. And it's not limited to COVID-19. This is right. about public health, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, there are other diseases, as you know, that can be detected mm-hmm. through wastewater. CDC is part of the GPEI, and some of that funding for the uh, polio analysis is coming from uh, the money raised for polio eradication. Yeah, they got some of the participating jurisdictions, Chicago Part- Department of Health, Michigan Department of Health and Human Services, and New York State mm-hmm. uh, Department of Health. Right. So, you know. That area where the, the gentleman who developed polio in New York last year, that area that he lives in, they only have a 78% vac- vaccination rate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, that's the next thing that I... You know, we're looking at when we had the Delta virus, mm-hmm. right? Remember, we had COVID in 2000, Delta uh, in 2021 during the summer, and then mm-hmm. Omicron right. in the in the winter of 2021 into 2022, and all that stuff. LA County. I remember reading the article here, right? The when they had the Delta. This is July 2021. The and they were they, they did the testing, right? Ninety nine plus percent of the f- people who uh, caught the virus were not vaccinated. Right. It's one thing when it's seventy to thirty, right? It's another thing when it's ninety nine and ninety eight percent to uh you know versus <laughs> decimal points. You yes. know, or or one point five percent. You know, right. uh, at that point, the, the the ratio is so lopsided. You know that you can't really ignore. Mm-hmm. You know the raw numbers. They are, uh, you know, what they are. So, you know, like I said, you know, trust the science. You know, use your judgment. It's the beauty of America is you're a free country. You can do whatever you want and and all right. that. But all right, and use, you know, use history to your benefit. Right. One of the, one of the things. Well, two two things personally for me. Number one, I am a firm. V- from vaccines. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 1972. Wow. And my doctor had me get my first flu shot, mm-hmm. you know, more than 50 years ago. So I've been taking flu shots. There was kind of a time in there where I didn't get them for a few years. You know, you're in your 20s, you feel you're invincible. Uh, but I do, I do a flu shot every year. I've done all the COVID shots. Matter of fact, um, my audience, um, mm-hmm. they actually had me to ask that question, uh, our very first, uh, in, in, in 2020, our very first um, Christmas going into the New Year, because that's when they normally take the, the, the flu shot. And they were asking me, because the Department of Health were regular contributors here, uh, to, ask, to ask them not only about the flu shot, but um, the continuous upgrades Yes. That comes with the flu shot because it's not the same flu shot right, that it was the, 5, 10, 15 years ago. The virus, the virus evolves. Yeah. Yes, mutates yeah. every mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. So what are we doing on Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday, mm-hmm. we are lining up for Christian Vern in bright red uh, with the End Polio Now logo up on that tower. It We've done it uh, probably about 
three or four times already. Mm-hmm. But the last couple of years, we lit up Government House, and we're so grateful that they allowed us to do that. But the impact isn't as great as when you're driving down King Street and you see the fort in red. Wow. It is spectacular. So, and, and the fort already has... well. In the years past, it had a red look to it. Well, no. <laughs> now it's a different color, you know what I'm saying? Now it's a different color, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's bright red with the mm. Polio Nail logo. Mm. And this year, Fire Service is joining with us, and we're going to be doing uh, a little boot drive for about two hours okay. to raise money. And that's one thing we haven't done here is to raise money for polio eradication. But we want to make sure that we are contributing. I know... As Rotarians, we contribute personally, uh, but we want to make a community donation towards polio eradication. So fire service will be out there with us. So we're asking everybody to at least drive by, drop some money in one of the booths. Uh, If you want to make a larger donation, you can give it to any Rotarian. And there is a website set up by Rotary, mm-hmm. and it's just um, npolionow.org. And there's all kinds of information up there, and there's also a place to donate. So anybody can go online and do that donation, and we will be eternally grateful for that. Yes. But we really want people just, I mean, it really is amazing to be coming down King Street and just see the fort in bright red mm-hmm. that's awesome well, Miss Liz Goggins thank you very much for joining us uh, Tuesday Jul- uh, October 24, 2023 is World Polio Day that's right, right. and uh, don't forget uh, to uh, give what little you can to support yes. uh, a, a public health mm-hmm. initiative right that's and the true. governor the governor has um uh, announced that it, it is Virgin Islands World Polio Day. That's what I'm talking so about. So we have a resolution uh, again from Governor Bryan. You got it. You got it. Liz Coggins, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Without that, I'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Saturday mornings, we're here for you with Weekend Edition. Two hours of news, interviews, new music, new books, rattling good stories, interesting people, challenging analysis, laughs, air shows, and donkey rides for the kids. So come along with us. Weekend Edition, Saturday mornings from NPR News. Weekend Edition, Saturdays at 8 a.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. With so much going on, it can be hard to keep up with who's doing what and why. I'm Aisha Roscoe, host of Weekend Edition Sunday, letting you know whether it's news from across the country and the world or a deep conversation about a novel, movie, or music, we got you. Grab your coffee or your earbuds and tune in to Weekend Edition from NPR News. Sundays at 8 a.m. right here on WTJX-FM, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.